All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show. Uh, big, big day in Leafland. They are cleaning out their stall. Again, the cleaning, I don't know what actually happens with the cleaning. I feel like some of these guys make a lot of money. They got a guy for that. I feel that. like it's been cleaned. Yeah. It's been cleaned, uh, but it's been cleaned once again uh, before many people would want it to. And just a reminder, the end of season availabilities will be airing on our network immediately following our show at 9 a.m. right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, J.D. Bunkus, will take you through the coverage. Kyle Dubas expected to speak. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 360 and on the alt stream while that is happening. Uh, let's go to our insider next, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. We can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That is none other than Frank Saravalli of DailyFaceoff.com. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, guys. How are you? Uh, we're okay. So the Leafs lose again. My simple question before we get into today is, why did it happen again? Oh, I mean, where to start? Uh, there's a million things to look at and to break down. Um, I think, you know, a few of them kind of really stand out to me. Um, one of them is you heard Kevin Bieksa hit on it over the weekend. And I thought it was a really good point was finding the proper mix of style. You know, you had this team that was really built on high skill that added, tried to add an element of playoff edge and toughness that I think never really found the right blend. I think part of it is goaltending wasn't figured out um, and still hasn't been figured out. That's sort of been one of the hallmarks of Kyle Dubas's tenure. And you have a, a moment in time where your big guns, your 50, you know, 50% of your cap, your core four didn't show up to play until it was too little too late. And you take all of those three things and you smash them together. And what you have is a pretty ugly result. I would agree with that. Yeah. You got a uh, 40 million plus on four different forwards and uh, you only get two goals in seven straight games uh, as your season bows out. Yeah, definitely not, uh, not the way you would want things to go there in terms of the way the roster is built and not the way you'd want to see it in terms of performance. Uh, you know, a lot of people or not, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there was some speculation that yesterday might be the day uh, that the Leafs would have their end of season availabilities. You know, I know typically there's kind of a day off to breathe and then teams like to move along with it. Um, do you read anything into the fact that that the Leafs are seeming to take their time. Now, we know they're going to have their availability today. Obviously, there are a lot of questions about this team. Sheldon Keefe, without a con- or Sheldon Keefe, his, his possibility up in the air. Kyle Dubas, without a contract. Uh, obviously, Austin Matthews has business to do this summer, as does William Nylander. Do you read anything into, obviously, not decisions for the players, but what's going to happen with the GM and the coach based on the, the Leafs kind of maybe taking an extra day here? I don't. Um, they didn't conduct player exit interviews over the weekend. Uh, Those are actually also being done today. Um, So that's part of it. I think they just probably said, hey, let's take a weekend to breathe. And so I think everyone's kind of waiting for some big moment today, some big declarative statement. I obviously could be wrong. I don't think you're going to get that today. My, My guess, my prediction for what you hear today is that they're in a fact finding mission, a fact gathering process today. Um, everything's on the table in terms of what the future holds. 
um, from every perspective, from a player personnel perspective, from a, a management and coach perspective, and that they'll be making decisions partly based on what they hear today. So, you know, I'm not expecting any sort of massive, um, you know, sort of statement today, but obviously stranger things have happened. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. And again, like we said, uh, our, our man J.D. Bunkus will have you covered here with that when the availability is either scheduled to start at nine. Uh, that's pretty interesting news there that they haven't conducted exit interviews. Like you said, we could all be changed, but uh, pretty hard to make a coaching change, I would think, if you haven't spoke to the players uh, about how all that went. Uh, if we don't get a change today, and you know, it doesn't mean one isn't coming, but it also doesn't mean that you know Sheldon Keefe won't keep his job. But what do you make of the decision to let Keith speak today because I think I think everybody thinks at the very least it's a possibility that they make a coaching change given the way the the season ended. Do you think it's a little odd to to put Sheldon Keith in front of the media and and based on what you said there, do you think his answers could kind of act as a bit of a job interview, kind of saving his job one way or another? I don't think it's odd. I think there's been plenty of situations both ways throughout you know the way hockey conducts business that. You have a coach that speaks and then a decision is made on his, his future after the fact. I don't think there's any secret, too, that Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are tied at the hip. Obviously, they go back a long way. And, and more than that, I think it's pretty clear to me and, and many others that Kyle Dubas is a big believer in Sheldon Keefe. So I think that's going to be the one, you know, one of the true tests of, of the offseason is what if, you know, upper management, meaning the president of hockey ops, or if the MLSE board would like to see a coaching change and Kyle Dubas isn't on board, uh, that could be a potential sticking point, along with many of the others that we've talked about, including his contract, the negotiation for Kyle Dubas that needs to come, um, all those things. It's, there's a lot of, there's a lot to play out. And then, I personally think the Leafs have to go through this process of evaluation in terms of the pros and cons for, and when I say the Leafs, I mean the MLSE board of not just Kyle Dubas and take an inventory, but also of Brendan Shanahan himself at the very top, because this has been a long time that we've seen the quote unquote Shanahan plan in action that we've yet to see any sort of meaningful playoff results. And, you know, now as you, you get closer to approaching a decade, um, there's been plenty of runway there to put all this in play in place. So it's May 15th, Frank. Uh, that's a month and a half until July 1st, which is a huge day because Austin Matthews can sign a deal. Uh, mm-hmm. William Nylander can sign a deal. You have no trade move uh, clauses kicking in. Kyle Dubas wouldn't have a deal after that point. Uh, it is a serious time crunch that this organization is under. And if it's truly that to that extent where Brandon Shanahan's being evaluated and every single layer of the, the operation is being evaluated, um, is it even realistic to expect them to have their ducks in order to make real decisions before July 1st? Of course it is. This decision-making process and evaluation should have been ongoing the entire time. And it's, in fact, as soon as they were down 3 nothing against the Panthers, that's really when the evaluation should have started because uh, to put those things in motion because everyone knew at that exact moment in time that the series was over. They didn't, 
they didn't lose the series in game five. They lost it a while back before that. So um, is it unrealistic or no? Like these are, this was the spot that they had worked themselves into uh, by getting to this point with Kyle Dubas not having a contract. Uh, everyone knew that that would have to be handled. And that's, that's essentially what it boils down to is, okay, it's go time. There's some, and, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, at some point somewhere, someone's going to be making a list of, of pros and cons of, you know, yes, this is a highly sought after, likely to be highly sought after general manager. But, you know, if we're actually evaluating on the, the true pluses and minuses, like I, I went through the process over the weekend, you know, the, the sort of draw a line down the middle of the page and let's walk through the actual pluses and minuses like someone should be doing that somewhere instead of just saying, oh, okay, this is someone that's highly sought after. The question is why? Uh, the wrench in all this, Frank, is uh, Austin Matthews, I think, because he has he has a decision to make or at least information I think he has to convey. Uh, but there are multiple layers to the Austin Matthews story. There's the, does he want to sign a deal? There's also what we believe to be lingering issues dealing with a, I don't know if we want to say a wrist injury, but clearly he doesn't look right. And, and there was talk all season long about him potentially being impacted by that. Uh, we've been you know told it's as easy as, hey, this is, a, this is a percentage game. He wants a certain percentage and whatever the salary cap is, it's easy to get this deal done because it actually doesn't need to be negotiated because it is just a percentage point. But with everything that's going on around him, it definitely can hold everything up. So what are you hearing just in general about Austin Matthews? Want before July 1st, his health. Is there anything in your conversation that sticks out? Because really, he kind of holds all the cards here. He, he actually, I, I think, is the linchpin to the entire offseason um, in many facets and ways. And so, so what have we heard to this point? Uh, just sort of the some of the same idle speculation and chatter um, that you just presented, you know, that he probably is looking for a, a rather large contract now as, as the next one, his third contract. Um, he's, you know, someone that obviously is going to command significant leverage based on what he can get on the open market. And he's coming off of, you know, essentially richest second deal that was not max term um, in league history. So it's unprecedented, the sort of spot that he's in, in terms of power and control for one player. And the Leafs uh, owe that to themselves because they've given him that exact scenario. They've given him the, the contract that allows him to hit unrestricted free agency at the first possible moment in time. Uh, they've given him the $11.6 million AAV and, and the term that goes with it. And, you know, what you have is in some ways that really clouds the season that he had, which was, I understand the injury part that you, you brought up, but at a certain point, if you're not good enough to play and produce at, at the top elite level and, and don't give me the shots on goal and, and the expected goals and all those other things, because you watched him, there's an eye test portion of Austin Matthews game yep. that doesn't add up. It just doesn't. 
Um, at almost really at no point in the Florida Panthers series was he a threat. There wasn't any moment that I looked at, at his game and said, wow, that's someone that is dominating play. That's someone that's getting more scoring chances than anyone else. This is a guy that could turn a series on its head. Yeah, he was never a threat. And to be honest, I didn't see him other than the, the one game um, in which he scored both goals as part of the comeback. That was the only real moment in time this entire season that I looked at him and said, oh, that guy's back. That's, that's the Austin Matthews that has the swagger, the, you know, the skill, the, the sort of you know, hired assassin um, type feel to his game. And that's missing. It's gone. I don't know where it is. And I don't know how much of that is chalked up to the injury or not. And I guess we'll find out a lot more today about where that injury stands. But my biggest question is, and I think it's one that the Leafs have to answer, it's not how much do you need to pay Austin Matthews, it's is Austin Matthews a killer? Because no goals in five games in the second round and far too many moments to point to in the playoffs to this point in time, you could make a case that he's not the guy. Just just based on production this year, you could definitely make that case, Frank. And you know, I think I think the frustrating part, and you nailed it there, is that we when because look, you know, as guys who cover this team all year long, we talk about them literally every day, and we do fall into the trap a bit of well, you know, it was a really complete two way game, or you know, it was really really strong back checking uh-huh. effort from no no, and that's the thing we talk about him like we should talk about Sam Bennett in that regard of well, you know, that's a great middle six player, you like it, but you're you're right, he does get praise heaped on him, especially this year that he's not entirely deserving of uh you know the famous quote by the, Sam Bennett makes 4.4 million dollars uh, no no I I'm not disagreeing with you Frank I am a, I am saying no, no I know I'm just saying like it's <laughs> it, it, people talk themselves into a pretzel when they're they're discussing this player like he's paid of the elitist of the elite players in the league and didn't come close to producing like one this year arguably Kyle Dubas's most famous quote uh we can and we will we know John Tavares isn't going anywhere, or uh, it seems entirely unlikely based on the deal and the no-move clause there. Uh, Austin Matthews, we just talked about. Can this team go forward into not next season, but when these all three of these next contracts are reset with William Nylander, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner still on this team? Can they keep the core four together with raises due for all of them and having nothing more than a five-game loss in the second round to show for it? Can they? Of course they can. They don't have to actually make any changes. And even if that means going into next season with some of this not figured out, I'm not saying they will, uh, because I, I think that's I think everyone recognizes that you need you need some kind of change. But I think part of what they're discussing, at least internally, is is the same sort of thing that they were discussing last summer is we, we could make a change, but how much better is it actually going to make our team? And, and that's part of the issue that they're going to fall into is, are we doing this just for change's sake? And I think at some point the answer has to be yes. That to do this over and over and over again, to essentially bring it back for what, what would it be, the fourth consecutive year, maybe more than that, uh, of essentially the same group, um, fifth. I mean, whatever the number is, it's, it's a lot. And... I, I think everyone sort of firmly believes that they need something to be different as part of this calculus. But 
let's like let's say you're you're going to pluck off one of those pieces of the core four, which we know is not going to be John Tavares, as you mentioned. How how do you then trade that player and make your team better? That's the tough part. Frank, have you gained any sense in your conversations about what the trade values for Marner and Nylander would be? Oh, they'd be high. I think Nylander in particular, as I've mentioned a multitude of times about the value relative to cap. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of people look at Nylander's game and they say he's someone that actually showed some fire and his game seems like it translates a little bit better to the playoffs than some of the other players on the Leafs roster. Because that's the other part of it. It has to be about stylistic fit. And and the question that Kevin Bieksa raised over the weekend about, are you a team that's built for playoff success? I think some people around the league look at that question and they laugh. And they say, look, the game isn't really officiated all that differently, or it was five years ago. It's no longer the case. But to this point, I mean, I think there's a real case to be made, particularly when it comes to Marner, someone that I don't think anyone questions his commitment, his skill, his effort, any of those things. He doesn't have the sort of success, and and it's not just wins. He doesn't have the... um, the game to back up that his game actually translates in the playoffs, because to this point, that's been one of the biggest issues for this team is he's been a phenomenal regular season player. And much like some other guys on the roster, it's just struggles when you get to the postseason. Yeah. The, the way you feel about Austin Matthews is kind of the way I feel about Mitch Marner. And I guess with the exception that, yeah, Mitch Marner had a great regular season, better than Austin Matthews, uh, I suppose in their relative context. Um, but I, I am not unconvinced that Austin Matthews can be the guy, but I'm pretty sure, or I'm getting to the convinced stage that I don't think Mitch Marner. You're saying can... you're more convinced that, that Mitch Marner cannot do it. And you're not sure about Austin. Matthews. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I, I, with Mitch Marner, I think it's, it's sweater specific though. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of unconvinced that it can work in this market and, and wearing that sweater and being part of this organism. And uh, you know, he's front because of mind. Because of the pressure and, and because of what's baked in being Local a hometown boy, guy. All yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Too. And, yeah. and the fact that, you know, people, uh, you know, we, we suspect people close to him are, are letting him know things that are going on and being said, and he's coming into dressing rooms and calling media members piranhas. And, and it, it gets to the point where you just have to be really skeptical if he can overcome everything else that goes on in this market. And I think for that reason, he's front and center for me. If there's going to be a trade out of the core four, and I wonder if, you know, we're comparing trade, and that's why I asked you about Nylander and Marner, like, yeah, there's a difference between price point. There's a difference between how much length is on the contract, two years with Marner. I think a lot of teams would be really, really willing to, or wanting to get their hands on William Nylander as a weapon, but Marner seems like more of a, like, foundational player within your structure. Like, if you're the Anaheim Ducks and you want to kickstart things, can you install Mitch Marner and, and, and start building from there? I'm not really sure, but I wonder if the perception around the league has changed like it has maybe for me with Mitch Marner. I, I do think that there's significant question marks. Um, and and then there's the contractual part of it. Like he's at, at 11 million bucks, essentially he's right at the top upper echelon of the league. And you could say regular season production wise deserves to be, be there. But then what happens when the contract is up? Like, maybe there's a little bit more leverage because there's one extra year remaining 
um, for Marner that doesn't exist with the other guys, that maybe that makes him a little bit more tradable. But any team that, that wants to acquire him and doesn't have um, the ability to extend him this summer, like that, that makes that deal a lot harder because of the fear of the unknown. Whereas with someone else, you can kind of negotiate or at least get a sense of, hey, this is what's coming around the bend. How do we address it now? And I think that makes it a bit harder. Yeah, and I think I think the other part of it as well is that you mentioned the the compensation there. You know, whatever Nylander gets, Marner's Marner's not taking a discount on on his next deal. I don't think the number's going to go down in in all likelihood. So you're probably still paying more of a premium. You know, I think a lot of the conversation that comes to him is not so much personality. It's definitely there with this market, but I think the prevailing question is just the the play style of him and a player of that size. You know, the name Pat Kane always gets bandied about as well. This was a smaller player who could do it. Just if you look at them. Pat Kane's just a little thicker, and it's not that he's some, you know, dynamo bowling guys over, but he is just a little kind of stockier built. Is he? It, I don't know. He feels like it to me. I don't know. Maybe he just wears bigger shoulder pads. Or maybe his gear's bigger. But when I, I see them I on the I don't ice, view them as any different, in, just in terms of perception, like any different in size. Okay, maybe that's just me. JC, weigh in here. You're the tiebreaker. Does, does Patrick Kane, does he feel a little stockier to you? If Do not play. Do he's not. May, maybe he's more of a man, but I would say it's the same thing. Okay. Just so, like older. Okay, so it's just an older thing. Maybe that's just me. But yeah. I do wonder, that's the name that always gets bandied about. Kane had no problems at this time of year, has scored the biggest goal humanly possible, overtime, cup winner, and he was the only guy in the building who who knew it was in. You know, do you think there is kind of a, a ceiling with this player at, the, at this time of year? And it's not one based on his personality or the weight of the moment, but it's maybe based on his weight and the fact that he is built the way he is. I don't. Um, if Patrick Kane can do it, I don't see any reason why Mitch Marner can't, and I think it's purely between his ears. Did anyone uh, on this team change their perception about themselves for the positive during this run for you? Joe Wall? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I can't think of anyone else. Morgan that, Riley was pretty good. Morgan Riley like, was pretty good. That's my one candidate I'll throw out there. I guess. I mean, I, I would say I, I have real questions about that contract. He's finishing off the first year of an eight-year deal. Mm. Um, I personally think that that contract is going to look really ugly, but that's just my sense. And it's not right now. It's two years from now that, that they're going to be in tough, I think. Um, but that's that's a story for another day. I mean, in a positive way, I, don't, I really don't think so. Like, I, I watch this team, and I can't, I can't really think of anything to to write home about. Like TJ Brody struggled in a massive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Giordano for having another year left on his deal really seemed to show his age. Obviously, no one's concerned about the contract, uh, but that that was tough. Um, Liljegren, I think you know you go back to the the Sandine trade uh, just before the deadline, and you say, did the Leafs? pick the wrong guy to move. Um, uh, Bunting had the suspension and, you know, even though he provided the proper amount of spunk at times, um, I don't think he had a solid playoff. Matthew Nyes, uh, when knocked around, obviously the concussion was not, no one's excited about that. Ryan O'Reilly had his moments, but not enough of them. And, and frankly, really struggled as the, the playoffs went on. I, I mean, who is there to get excited about? 
Who am I missing? Just just Morgan Riley and Joe Walt. That's that's pretty much it. Yep. That's about all the guys. Uh, Sam Lafferty, he was fast. Uh, that that's another uh, good good note I have. But yeah, you. Uh, I wish I wish I could come on here and say no, you're wrong, Frank. You're missing four or five guys. But if you were wrong about it, guess what? They're probably playing a game seven. Uh, I don't know when that was for tomorrow uh, night uh, tonight. Uh, quickly, Frank. Um, the situation not as dire as it is in Toronto in Edmonton, uh, but it's going to be a struggle for them to keep their level. Um, what sort of you know? how devastating the loss is based on what the future might hold for this Oilers team. Well, I think just from a future perspective, like there aren't nearly as many questions when it comes to their construction with regards to contracts. So I don't think anyone's going to be pounding their fists on the table today saying, Oh, change is necessary. Like you have to switch things up. Um, I do think that the big thing that they need to try and address and figure out, which much like the Leafs, they haven't to this point, is their goaltending situation. Like, think about it. Jack Campbell didn't start a single playoff game for the Oilers this year, and he's in the first year of a five-year deal. I'd argue that that's probably the third worst goalie contract on the books right now. And uh, ironically enough, Bobrovsky at number one is now leading his team into the third round. Uh, Cal Peterson is a quick second and, and Jack Campbell is, is third. That's ugly. Um, but at the same time with the work Skinner did to show of himself this year, um, it seems like they're able to just kind of roll with that tandem and at whatever the cap is cap hit is next year combined, it's not backbreaking, but, um, they, they have some pretty big things to address. Uh, Evan Bouchard needs a new contract and that's not going to be cheap. They're going to try and bridge him. Can they get that done? And what other changes can they make on the sort of periphery, but make no mistake. um, You know, you can, you can point to the Leafs and and laugh at how they stubbed their toe in round two against the eighth seed when the path was wide open. Um, The Edmonton Oilers ended up out in the same round for a team with, I'd say probably even more expectations and more realistic expectations based on the way Dreisaitl and McDavid have played in the playoffs that they, they essentially end up taking a step back from last year where they were swept in, in round three. They didn't get as many wins this time around and got to be a pretty empty feeling yeah superstars ready to win at least it seems i mean like that's kind of the difference right it's it feels like the super dark superstars in toronto aren't ready and the ones at edmonton are and it still didn't happen for them so a, a difficult upshot uh for them as well and that leaf stink it extends all the way to edmonton right now with jack campbell uh frank we kept you long we appreciate uh the time this morning and uh we'll connect and talk about all things leaf next week sounds good have a good week guys uh, you too. That's Frank Saravelli of dailyfaceoff.com and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. Anything there from Frank stick out? Uh, just a couple of things. Nothing on the Leafs. I mean, we've rehashed it all to death. We're going to do it with our with our listeners coming up here. Uh, get, get your phone calls in. 416-870-0590. Triple A, triple six, zero five ninety star 590 on your Rogers cell there. But on the Oilers. They got six forwards. They got to re-sign. They got a bridge Bouchard and uh, courtesy cap friendly. They have just under $6 million of projected cap space. So uh, yeah, not exactly rosy out there. And cause I always say it when they come up three years left on the deal, which means four years until Connor McDavid is a leaf. <sighs> Let's get to something to chew on brought to you by great Canadian meats. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, okay. So we thought the Leafs had an accountability issue. Uh, it seems like Joel Embiid might take the cake there. Um, Love this. 
The Boston Celtics uh, triumphed in Game 7 over the Philadelphia 76ers, advanced to the Eastern Conference Final behind a 51-point performance from Jason Tatum. Uh, but really, the thing that was on most people's minds was Joel Embiid after the game, who had quite the soundbite. Um, he said, and I quote, Me and James, we can't win alone. That's why basketball is played five-on-five. Five. We need everybody to find ways to be better. This after Joel Embiid went... For 15 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist on 5 for 18 shooting and 4 turnovers. He did not have the most points on the 76ers in the loss. Tobias Harris outscored him in the game despite not being lumped in with him and James. Your thoughts on Joel Embiid making an excuse. And Joel Embiid, frankly, getting a little old. I think he's turning 30 next yeah, oh, year. He was, he was one of these sneaky old guys when coming to the league. Uh, the big, process is processed. Big men, we know all this. You cannot make that comment after you and the other guy you name check combined for 24 points in a game seven. His stats were right beside him while he was saying That would too. be barely good enough if you had 24 points in a do or die game seven. Forget the other guy you're lumping in there. Uh, hey, say last man. I know we want you to bury yourself, and I'm thrilled that you did, but little PR uh, example. Say, it's my fault, and then stop talking. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, that is going to do wonders for you. Uh, get in the queue. We're taking your calls next. Uh, therapy hotline is open. Uh, what do you want to see today? You might, you might have to be my therapist as well. So just, just keeping it real with you out there. What do you want to see today? What you wish you saw over the weekend or at least Friday night? What is on your mind when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs? This might be the last time that we do this, given that uh, the Maple Leafs playoff run is over. So give us a call right now. Get in the queue at 416-870-0590-1888-666-0590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We want to hear from you after the break. We are taking your calls. We will do that next. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The JD Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All righty. The hotline is open. The Maple Leafs Therapy Hotline is open. You can call us, get in the queue at 416-870-0590 or one 888 star 590 On your Rogers cell phone, call us right now. We want to hear from you. The Maple Leafs playoff run ends in round two this year. They get a victory in round two. That's the first time in 19 years as well. Does it feel like it? Quick question to you before we get to the text line. No. Does it feel like it? No, a couple firsts, but uh, might be the last for a couple members of this organization, be it executives, be it players. The run has come to an end for them uh, officially, and we will find out more today as the Leafs clean out their lockers or at least stand in front of them uh, after they've already been cleaned. Um, we will go to the call log now and start with Sean in Hamilton. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're doing okay. What's on your mind? Well, Leaf fans and also the media have to be realistic here. After the Leafs lost Game Three against Florida, Jim Ralph said eight or nine games into the, the the playoffs, we haven't seen the real Toronto Maple Leafs. Are you serious? This is the real Toronto Maple Leafs. This year, last year, the year before, the year before that. This is who they are. This top four cannot get the job done in the playoffs. They need to get rid of two of them, bring in quality players, bring in a, a better defensive player, because this is not working. This team could not get past and go to the finals and win a cup with this top four. It just It's not going to work. And just don't make excuses for it. Just make it. Do it. Make the move. 
Yeah, all right. Uh, awesome. Thanks for the call, uh, Sean and Hamilton. Uh, not alone in thinking that way. I would uh, I would imagine today, you know, it goes back to the conversation we just had with Frank of there are a lot of ducks to get in a row before now and then. Forget, for you could, let's just say you are Brendan Shanahan. You're not the guy who's supposed to be making these decisions, but you have it in your heart of hearts. Okay, we're going to trade Mitch Marner. You have so many things to do between now and then, the first and last of which is probably get a contract done with Austin, with Austin Matthews before you go trade you Mitch Marner. You can't technically do that either because Mitch Marner's no-movement clause kicks in July 1, and Matthews can't mm. do it. You got to top drawer it. If you top drawer it, that's fine. But, like, again, all these things are it's happening by the in book organization. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's true. Let's, that's true. Uh, let's go to Mark in Thornhill. Let's see what he's got to say. Mark, how are you doing today? Morning. So I feel really positive about the Leafs. I think they've made progress once again. First time in the second round in 19 years. That was like the city went crazy. People were dancing in the streets after that. How quickly we forget that. They got balanced scoring from all lines when Marner and Matthews weren't scoring. So they got really good scoring from some of their, you know, their Mark, second they scored, and third they scored line. two goals for seven straight games. That's true, but this is the playoffs. You know, we're not gonna, we're not going to see six, five, four, three, nine, seven in in the playoffs. Okay, so the bottom line is you can talk all you want about Marner. Marner had a better playoff this year than he had last year. He was a key figure in one of the games. He won one of the games for them. Had a great game. At the end of the day, look, they they could have won game six, game five. They 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 won. They tied the game with five minutes left or three minutes left to play. They lost in overtime. Overtime is a coin flip. How many of us didn't think they were going to win that game when Nylander scored? I mean, at the end of the day, no, they're not perfect. And like you guys said, training Marner, trading Marner is going to be very, very difficult. So, look, I just say stick with these guys. They're going to get better. They want to be together, and they're going to get better. And maybe next year they'll be out of the second round. That's my prediction. Yeah, thanks for the call, Mark. Uh, Mark from Thornhill. I mean, lots of positives there. Um, I, I feel like uh, Mitch Marner would like Mark from Thornhill to negotiate his uh, his next. Forget deal. negotiating the deal. He wants him in the room today <laughs> asking know. questions. Yeah. Mitch, how great are you? Is the answer the most? Uh, I will say, uh, <laughs> I will say though, like, yeah, they got into a game five where they could have won. I mean, we did go over the game. Maybe we didn't detail it the way we necessarily would have more than 48 <laughs> you, hours. You after don't the need fact. to convince me they could have won that game, Justin. But this is what happened early on in the series. They entered game one and lost through bad tactics. They lost game two because of bad moments, and then they lost game three because they just flat out had a bad game. And if you go down 0-3 and you get yourself into coin flip scenarios, which this team shouldn't devolve itself into coin flip scenarios if it's truly made progress against the eight-seeded Florida Panthers, you can't survive even one mistake, one bad bounce, whatever. You put yourself in this hole because you didn't show up through three games. I don't really care about what happened in game five because the stakes were so high, the margin of error was so thin because of what you did through the first three games. Let's get to Sam from Woodbridge. Good morning, Sam. Morning. How are you guys? We're all right, Sam. What's going on? Good. I think the Leafs had a great season, in my opinion. The playoffs were a different uh, situation. I think we need a, a bit of a different chemistry, a better goalie, maybe, that steals one or two games. And then on the other hand is Marner bashing all the time. They have to stop. Best in the league. In the, during the year for the Leafs, best in the playoffs during the, the, the playoffs itself, plus minuses, he's beyond everybody else. And yet, we keep on bashing him. 
maybe a different chemistry. Come bring in one or two players that will do different things, a better goalie, or <clears throat> a better system. And if you're looking for a better system, then you got to start looking at the coach and the managers to get fired. Uh, appreciate the call, Sam. Uh, more Marner love. Um, not saying it's surprising, but it's a bit surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a change. I think everyone agrees there's got to be some change. Could you get something different from Marner? Although Sam's convinced that he was, you know, pretty good in the playoffs and just and really good in the regular season. But like, it seems like even if it's just not down to the individuals, the mix isn't correct or the players aren't playing together, maybe the way that they should. Yep. Even if Marner performed in a silo, performing in a silo is not good enough. And maybe that does come down to the coach, and we will find out about the coach we think today. Let's go to Andrew in Toronto this morning. Hi there. Yeah, I, I you know, it, I think in years past, I was your typical Leaf fan that, you know, after getting eliminated, uh, you know, blow the team up, trade everybody, fire the coach, fire Dubas. But, you know, I, I got to be honest, like, I mean, I'd like to see another kick at the can with this exact same group, uh, maybe with Joseph Wall as the starter. Um, I think that kid's got a really bright future and it's just so positionally sound. If there was one change that I would be totally fine with making, it might be a new a new bench boss. I mean, you know, Keith, uh, I don't know. I wonder if maybe he's, his, his strengths are not in, you know, getting his team ready to roll, you know, before games or, or after intermissions because, you know, you can make the argument that in the playoffs, right, like we, we, we lost that series in a minute and 16 seconds in, uh, what was it, game two, you know, and all of a sudden it's 3 nothing instead of, 2-1, and then instead of 3-1, it could have been 2-2. So I'd like to see another kick at the can with the exact same group, sign all of our guys, uh, you know, keep, keep all of our new additions, and maybe just have a new bench boss. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Andrew in Toronto, thanks so much for the call. Really, really appreciate it there. Uh, I've I've talked a lot about Keith. I've been pretty, the I, I think I've been maybe his staunchest defender, and even I think he probably needs to go, and this isn't because the team doesn't start on time for him. They, Mike Babcock is as hard, you know what, as a coach as there is. I, w- I won't say the next word to borrow mm-hmm. parlance from Mitch Marner, and they never started on time for him. There is something that this goes back to everything we talk about, what's baked into the core, what isn't. And yeah, the whole series, we could talk about all the moments. It was one minute at the start of the second period that pretty much lost in the series uh, and we're of game two, yeah. and we're, we're all there. My thing on Keith is, like, I think he does have something to do with the poor starts, starts on time. Like, it's it's a constant issue. But and it's I, the same group that, well, it's not the same group, but it's these same guys, some of them, and they were it, doing it, it under Babs too. I, yeah, I definitely think it's a thing, but like, they start regular seasons poorly. They start playoff series poorly. They start periods, periods poorly. Games, and, yeah. and I do think there might be like, hey, Power we're going to do this. We're yeah. going to do this. We're going to do this when we're not going to just play. And when you have a good enough roster or a roster like the Leafs have, sometimes you just open the door yeah, and let them play. That's fair. Let's uh, let's keep the calls coming in. And again, if you want to jump in, 416-870-0590, star, star 590 on your Rogers cell, 888 Let's go to Ryan in Caledon. Ryan, what you got for us? You boys are doing a heck of a job. And again, this is my guy from last week. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now, clearly, the Shanna plan is dead. The raging nerd can go to Pittsburgh. The Sheldon Tinkerbell Keith is gonzo from Toronto. Let's get real. This is fantastic. This is all about the Fantastic Four. JT, unmovable. Nylander, underpaid. Mitchie soft, but at least he cares. So I want to talk about Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Boombastic. I'm talking about the man who expects the Brinks trucks to roll up in front of his front door in the summer and drop off all those bundles of cash. This core group is weak, but they're led by a natural-born loser. The man is suspect. 
He makes questionable choices. I want to talk about his heart, but let's start with start with his fashion choices. <laughs> He's got to be the first guy in history to go to an adult webpage, see a picture of Ron Jeremy, and say, yep, that's the look. <laughs> I heard he isn't showing up or didn't show up to round two because he's got a residence coming up at Caesar's Palace. Coming soon, the great Ostino, the only magician in Vegas that can make 230 pounds look invisible in a scrum. Seriously, Austin, I know you love it when we call you Big Pasty, but you want to throw your hands in the air just so I can see you out there. <laughs> right. Did you risk her copy? Guess what? Everyone hurts in the playoffs. Now, Austin, turn up that radio, Mitchie says you guys never listen to. Now, lean that greasier close into the speaker. The supposed best player in the team, top five in the league. All you play for is handshake respect. Poppy, all I'm saying is you want to be that Rolex-wearing, diamond rings-wearing, Styling, profiling, linear riding, jet flying, son of a gun. You want to hang out with the beads at the UFCs and show up at that game with that Ron Jeremy swagger? That's great, man. Start playing with that Ron Jeremy set of cojones. I feel like I had to give you a Ric Flair woo at the end. Uh, Ryan and Kaladin. Wow. Uh, All-time wrestling promo. uh, But we should let him go before he gets us all fired. Flirting flirting with it, but I think he kept it. I think he kept it kosher. Again, we'll find out via email. It might be like the Leafs (laughs) at some time before 9 o'clock today. We're all waiting. Uh, That was an electric promo. Uh, Let's see what George and Ajax has for us. Yeah, that was quite electric, yeah. <laughs> Come back to follow, George. Yeah, no, you you just be you. Play your game, George. Do not All think right, you have I'll, to follow play, that up. Yeah, well, well, here's my thing, is that, you know, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. I was just going to, I was telling to your to your guy there. There's a lot of parody in the league. Uh, you know, Florida, they won the tra- President's Trophy last year, and they, they had to push, make incremental progress, and they did. Um, you know, uh, Boston is out, even though they won President's Trophy. You get, Colorado's out. You know, uh, Boston's out. Now Oilers are out. Uh, Toronto's made progress. We, we got some great elemental po- posts here with, you know, the, 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 the fantastic four. We can use to add maybe a good uh, quarterback defenseman, stay-at-home defenseman with some, with some strength. And we can also use to get a power forward, build the team. You know, you don't tear the thing apart because it's so easy to be an armchair, you know, quarterback and say, hey, let's do this, let's do that and just change this. You don't find people like Matthews, uh, you know, under, under a rock anytime, you know, this is, you know, we got some quality quality players with Marner and Nylander. Can you imagine these guys bringing in some, some key missing pieces that I think the, the, um, you know, the, the, the recipe is not completed yet. I think there's more to be done um, to, to, with the, with the group of, of players. Now, you want to talk about a coach? I think our goalie, I don't know about a coach, but our goalie, a tremendous revelation. I think this guy uh, is is uh, just a gem like Felix Potvin was. I think we, there's a history waiting to unfold with him. So I think we've made great progress. It's how we view it. And the fans in Toronto, we, we tend to be, because we're so thirsty for championship, um, there's such pressure like no other here. And you know, these guys, they come out from out of town, bring their relatives and family and it's almost like home game for them but we we have to take a a big picture look here and recognize that um, there's a lot of 
variables. Uh, you know, hockey is a game of bounces, and there's other. When you're playing, the, the Leafs are playing playing another team that are that are hungry as well, right? We think like it's only their responsibility to do and win, but but you can they have opposition. Those guys are fighting hard, so we have to have a like a, a balanced, objective view of of what we've done so far over the last few years. We crossed a big bridge here. We we we've made a lot of progress. We 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 cross it's for for now to dismantle everybody and rebuild again. It it doesn't you know I think it's too reactionary and doesn't make sense. I think we got to have a level head as we go into the future and uh, believe in our guys and and be positive and you know um, I think there's a lot of hope here. A lot a lot of work to still be done, but let's keep building and not uh, tear down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks for thanks for the call there, uh, George and Ajax. I'd be happier in my life if I was more of a George and Ajax, but I'm definitely <laughs> more of a of a Ryan in Caledon. Uh, let's sneak one more in here, Eric in Newmarket. Uh, yeah, you'll be uh, maybe not the last, but potentially. What do you got for us? How's it going, Jen? So I think we're forgetting about a big one here, and that's uh, starting from the top there. You know, I know he won us Game Six there with uh, Tampa, but Johnny Toronto, man, that guy just seems like. He's just got nothing left in him. Like, I, I watched him all season long, and if you did the stats on this guy, he can't even hit the net most shots. Like, he's great in front of the net, but he can't even hit the net. He's trying to make the plays like the big boys like Austin and Mitch, but he's just not figuring it out. And you can see that the boys aren't there to back him up. He took that double hit, what, in game five, game, uh, uh, sorry, game four, game five there, and no one stood up for him. If someone had that on Tampa, they would have gone after, you know, for Stamkos all day long. But it seems like our guys don't even have his back. They don't have his belief or his leadership or watching him, you know, and it's, it's painful to watch. I think you've got to start it from there. And, uh, you know, you've got some talent to back him up. If he's gone, I got O'Reilly taking the faceoffs. I got Morgan Riley who can pump the guys up. You've got enough talent there. I just feel like he's kind of getting a little bit left behind and everyone's kind of forgetting about what he should be doing for the team and pumping them up. Yeah, thanks for the call, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think we try to we try to talk about Tavares as much as possible, but there's a there's the reality that you're just kind of stuck here. And he is the lesser player. And you knew he was going to be a lesser player in the final three, two, three years of his deal. He now has two years remaining on his deal. And I think they just kind of missed the window. They expected to be really, really good. And they were, Mm -hmm. but dominant and dominant in the playoffs during the first four or five years of his deal. And they knew this was happening. And now you can't really do anything about it. And maybe they always earmark this kind of transitional period Mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, we'll take a step back and we'll sign Matthews and we'll enjoy the afterglow of championships or actual runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But they haven't been able to do that. So now the deal looks bad and the deal looks like it's some insurmountable thing that is going to hold you back from actually winning. And it's 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 unfortunate, but best laid plans sometimes go that way. So I had a terrible analogy last week about John Tavares that he was like the uh, the thing in your house that you fix, but the line of credit is maxed out. So you just got to like live with that fix. That's not the analogy because the line of credit isn't maxed out. You can go fix other things. You're just not allowed to fix that. Mm. So he's a supporting wall. And you're sitting there and you're looking at a room and you're like, let's open this whole thing up. Big open concept. And the contractor's like, you do whatever you want. That can't move. It can't move. And it's like, yeah, but it's in the way. I'd like to have an open. Cool. It's great that that's what you want. 
It's not going anywhere, so just stop talking about it. And that's kind of how I deal with John Tavares. I don't want to bury the guy who did the thing that we all beg somebody to do. We can have conversations about his play and what he is as a player now, but he's not going anywhere, so the idea of talking about him as part of the fix or what needs to change, if you want to have a conversation about who should be the captain of this team, I can entertain that. We should probably save that for later in the week, but I can entertain that conversation. But the idea of, well, he's the problem. Maybe, or probably, but he's not going anywhere, so that's that's the attacked I take discussing so, so now you got to prioritize what you're going to do with the final two years of Tavares. Mm-hmm. Do you say, Hey, we're going to make a serious, we're going to make changes, but we're going to seriously try to win in the second, in the penultimate year uh, with Tavares. Are you going to really, really try to go after it and just mm-hmm. massage this one immovable object, which yep. is John Tavares or the beam in the middle of your house that you wish you could get rid of? Uh, or are you going to kind of wave the white flag? Because that that's it. There's like, no you there, have the only thing you can do is try to win with John Tavares. There's no there is no there unless the unless the plan is to go so scorched earth that you just say, Austin Matthews, we wanna we wanna trade you for futures. Nylander, Marner, unless you're gonna do that and just go complete scorched earth rebuild, which let me tell everybody right now who just careened off the road, that isn't going to happen. Yeah. That is off the table. That you're in full win mode. You have to try. There is no waving the white flag while you have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, William Nylander, no. or some combination of the three in their mid-20s. But what you could do is gear up for one last and then be like, hey, if the seventh, year, year. seventh year of Tavares, transitional year, we're not going to be as good. Maybe we can do what Florida did, get in and try mm. to make some noise. Uh, but at some point, this team needs to take a step back, probably before Tavares is just off the books or Tavares just makes them take the step back because in his seventh year, he's I just, think, he just can't play. Anymore. I think the Leafs step back. And again, this all depends on what happens with the core form, what changes, but if it, if it is something like what it looks like now, I think a step back looks like a Panthers season where they're probably scratching and clawing for a wild card. Cause there's just still too much talent. On the team. It's been uh, a pretty good year for the Florida Panthers at the end of the day. Uh, we have the perfect final hour. Luke Fox, then Steve Tang- Dangle. Let's not waste any more time. Let's make sure we get the best out of that hour. Fox and Dangle in the 8 a.m. hour. That's next.